Hey guys, welcome back. It is Whatsoever is True, and I am your host, Jason Coral, author and self-defense instructor. And obviously, if you'd like to learn more about me, uh, you can check me out on Amazon. I've got a bunch of books out there, Jason Coral, K-O-R-O-L, uh, dealing with the, my favorite subjects and dealing with, of course, the excellencies and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of Christianity, and uh, then liberty. And you can't have liberty in a sinful world without self-defense. If you can't defend your liberty, you've got yourself a problem because sin still exists. So those things are out there. Uh, thank you, Leanne, for listening. Today's subject is socialism and Christianity. Is socialism Christian? And if not, well, why? So first, let's jump right into it. No, socialism is not Christian. It is a little bit of a problem and, on a, well, on many levels, but I'm going to deal with a couple of basic ones. First and foremost, it is not Christian because it's idolatrous. Once again, it is not Christian because it's idolatry. Now, I know the word idolatry strikes you as really Old Testament. <laughs> right? You're like, wait a minute, dude. This is like, you know, the 21st century. You're talking about idolatry here, a golden calf and all that stuff. Idolatry is, in, in, in short, it is the ascribing of God like qualities and, and ultimate devotion to something rather than the true and living God. So what happened with socialism and its variant strains, Marxism, okay, uh, communism, fascism, it's big state. It is really the state for all things, all things for the state. It is the thought that if you have a problem, the government should take care of it for you. This now becomes the government now takes on qualities and, and attributes that God didn't give it and it doesn't have. So it's really the, the attempt of man to worship himself and, and doing it from a state, which is why there's so much anger out there. When, when, you, when you think about why people get so upset about, about, about Donald Trump, if you ever notice that the, the, the modern American left and Democrat Party in particular have been so upset over Donald Trump, and as another podcast from another time, that it, it, it's really, there's a, there's a level of insanity to it. And I understand that people don't like other folks in different different political parties, but this has been something else altogether. And I think the reason for it is because the stakes are so high that everybody wants control of all the power. That's a good indication that there's way too much power there in Washington. And the problem really is, is the thought that the state has authority that God didn't give it. So let's let's talk about why again once again why is that idolatry? Because it's ascribing to the state qualities and attributes that only God has. You're looking for the state to provide you with health care. You're looking for the state to provide you with a job or to provide you with income, provide you with security, social security, all of these things. And and these are things that, that think about the Israelites in the wilderness. And what were they angry about after they came out of Egypt? Initially, hey, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And you look at the way that the Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. What were the Israelites upset about, guys? They were upset about, well, wait a minute, I get manna from heaven. Really, I was just getting manna from heaven, dude. I'm getting like this awesome wafer thing with protein in it. That's really sweet and awesome. But I get it. I, I'm, I'm getting food once a day. I, I want to have a storehouse. I want to have security. And the Lord was teaching them to, to wait on him and trust him, the, the, if, that, if that makes sense. So when he says, give us this daily bread, that is the key to it. 
of faith, real faith, is waiting and trusting in God. We say, no, 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 no. I need to trust in the state. I need security. There's nothing wrong with you having a, a, an abundance and having savings. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not telling you that Dave Ramsey's going to hell. I'm not saying that. That's called fiscal responsibility. But you're not putting that off on anybody else. And the people who pay you, really, you're paid by God. You know, I mean, you have a boss, but you really, God is the, the overseer of all things, which is why we should have free markets and rule of law. And, and, and the book of James talks about if, you're, if you are an uh, owner of a business and you're kind of abusive to your employees and you're not fair to them, you do have serious problems. So let's be clear on that. So though I'm saying socialism is the wrong answer, it is the wrong answer to a real problem. And I think that's one of the reasons Republicans struggle against the issue is because they don't understand they don't understand the issue. When people come forward and say, "Well, there are abusive jobs," or there there are uh, there's just struggle to make money and there's a struggle to have some security. That's true, and that is a real problem. And it's something we should address biblically. The answer is not socialism. Uh, we'll 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 get more into that as we go. But now, once again, if your basic heart condition is that the government ought to take care of you. That is not biblical, okay? Number two, if your solution to a problem is some kind of a sin, you clearly have a problem. Socialism is a sin because it's based on two obvious sins. Number one, covetousness. There's always concerned, the basic, the MO of socialism is that other people have more than you. And that's not fair. But the Bible tells you to mind your own business, to do work with your own hands, not to be a meddler, not to be a busybody. Those commandments are all over the place. Don't be a busybody. If you're, if you're concerned that there's too much acrimony in politics and you're a socialist, well, you know, that's, that's like being a criminal and complaining that the cops keep hassling you. Because what you're doing is you're meddling in other people's affairs. You're meddling with their property. Okay? Which then brings me to the next thing. Stealing. I know this is a tough one, but let me walk you through it. The Bible demands security of persons and property. It demands just scales, which means in, in biblical language, what it means is that there must be a win-win scenario in fair balance and trade. If so, one party's one party's duplicitous, if one party is 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 making a gain in an unjust way, an unjust contract. Today, I mean, we, we don't weigh scales because we, we don't use money with, with silver and gold and bronze and that kind of thing. We're, we're, we're generally, you know, cash or cards and, and, and that kind of thing. But what happens is that if you get an unjust business, let's say you're selling something and you've got a, a hidden thing in your contract where you're going to ding people for an extra $10 here or there, or you're selling a product that you know is deficient, that kind of thing. You even hear it from Christian circles where people go out and buy something and they brag about what a great deal they had. That they, basically that there wasn't a concern that they create a win-win scenario that they that the person they, they, they traded with got a good deal and they got a good deal. That's what the Bible demands. But they're bragging that they got something really at a loss, the other person at a loss. That's unchristian. So we can get rid of so many problems with economics because we really when we talk about socialism we talk about economics and then more and moral moral law. So 
when you get the step, now you go, okay, so if I need something and I go across my street to my neighbor's house and I say, hey, dude, I need a hundred bucks for a good cause, uh, whatever it might be. And he says, well, no, I, I, I don't want to give you a hundred dollars. And so I hit him and take a hundred bucks. I'm clearly a thief. Right? I mean, everybody knows that. Now, if I, even, no matter what the cause was, let's say they send my kid to school, buy some books, whatever it might be, that's irrelevant. I have no right to his property. And the, and the Bible demands that my neighbor, just as myself, to love my neighbor as myself, I don't want somebody taking my money and doing something with it that I didn't concede to. Well, there you go. Right? So, what happens if I get a bunch of neighbors to vote with me for his money? Does that make it right? How many neighbors do I need? Do I need all the neighbors on my street, in my in my in my neighborhood? Do I do I start an HOA? <laughs> do I, what I mean, or, or do I get a, a majority of the people in my town, my city, my state, my country? That doesn't change the morality of it. Once again, just because just because somebody can do something legally doesn't mean it's moral. And what we have right now is socialism is an immoral system of theft. It is the taking of wealth from people without their consent, simply by vote. If we would get rid of this completely, if we would understand this point and get rid of the theft by taxation, you would be amazed at how much more wealth there would be in this country and, again, how much more security. Because the very thing you want, the very thing you want, which is some financial security, is difficult when everything costs too much. And things will cost too much if... For the average, for, for, for example, you want to talk about the, one of the greatest hypocrisies of all time. And, and, and it makes me angry every time I see it. I see a politician on TV talking about how the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Now, that, there is truth to that, but that's because of the Federal Reserve's monetary policy. That's, a, that's another story. But in this case, they're, they're, they're claiming that the average person needs a living wage. You're talking about the minimum wage laws. And they're crying and, and, and moaning about how the poor workers can't make a living on minimum wage and they should raise minimum wage. Now, let me just give you some hard numbers here. For, for, for example, if a worker is making $10 an hour and they work 40 hours a week, they get their take-home pay of somewhere around, I don't know, $280, maybe, maybe $300 or in some states, I don't know, but probably about $280, $275, somewhere around there. If they've got, if they've got a lot of, a lot of uh, dependents or whatever, it's a little bit more. But right there, they've lost a quarter. That's 25% of their income. Bang. Or 30% or maybe a little bit higher. Bang. Gone. Then they're going to pay sales taxes on top of that. They're going to pay property taxes on top of that. Now, maybe they're renting, but they're still that, that property tax on that where they're renting is factored into the rent. Trust me. They're going to pay taxes on their cell phones, on their internet, everything. They're paying taxes on everything. So the, the, the effective tax rate continues to inch up for this poor $10 an hour worker, right? Groceries, they're paying taxes on the groceries. They go get gas, they pay taxes on the gas, they pay, they pay taxes on the car, right? Most states require that you have to pay for your license plate and so forth. So even after the state just took at least a quarter of your income for working, they're then taxing you and nickel and diming you everywhere. So that tax rate in a lot of places ends up extending the, when you talk about effective income for, for a, a working poor person, you're talking upwards now of about 35%. So you go, that jumps another 10% because of all the other taxes involved. Um, here's the next one. And you probably don't consider this, but the employer has to pay Social Security and unemployment and so forth matching that. So the worker was paid $400 gross on $10 an hour. But the employer probably paid about $475 to $520, again, depends on the states. 
So let's just round it up to $500. So let's say that $500, and now you're making $275, $300. You can see what's going on here. The effective tax rate, that's money that the employer paid for the employee to be there. But the employee never made it, never got that. What would you do if you're making $10 an hour, if you listen to this, how, how much could you use that extra nearly what, 200 something dollars a, a week? That's $800 a month. That's almost, again, that's almost double your pay. Almost double your pay. So the individuals that are saying that, the, that we need to increase the minimum wage, they don't create anything. All they do is get elected. And they're the ones taking half of the pay from people they're saying are too poor in the first place. You've never seen anything more hypocritical, I would say, in all of political history. Right? I mean, before they had to come in and rape and pillage, and it was, all right, I got to come in, I'm raping and pillaging, and that's what I do, because I can, because I've got an army, and you can't do anything about it, so tough for you. And there was a little sense of honor for that, because you might still kill that person. I mean, they could still lose in a battle, right? Genghis Khan was good at being Genghis Khan. Alexander the Great was great at being Alexander the Great. Uh, but there, clearly, it was war, and they made no, you know... They, they, didn't, they didn't lecture you on how they were morally superior to you <laughs> as, they, as they came through and, and took your liberty away. So here we do, though. Here we have modern politicians in the West that lecture individuals about how the poor are getting shafted while they support policies that take up to half of their income. That is, that is an abomination. That is modern socialism. Here's the third reason that, that we got to go. The Bible, and this is the big one. I'm saving the big one for last here, okay? Nowhere in Scripture does the Bible warn, I just said about stealing. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever suggest that taking money from somebody against their will to do anything at all is good. In fact, when you look at 2 Corinthians, is that... You know, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And this is this is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 22. Okay, and what he's saying is that we, we aim to do what is honorable. What is honorable is, a, is, is to preserve the liberty of your neighbor, whoever your neighbor is. Right? As a Christian, I say, if you're, my, if you're my unbelieving neighbor and you are not a Christian and you even hate Christianity, you can't stand churches, you drive by a church and you, you hold your nose and you think the whole thing is preposterous, guess what? Your innocence, I'm sorry, your freedom comes from the Lord your God. He gave you life. He gave you liberty. And, and that is a wonderful thing. And you are to be free in your person and property because the Lord commands it. That is a beautiful thing. So let me back it up. So he says, he's talking to the church now, Paul, in chapter 8, 2 Corinthians. He said, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. He's talking about helping people within the church. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance uh, might supply your need, may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever whoever gathered little had no lack. So lest you think that I'm saying I'm Gordon Gecko and Wall Street saying greed is good, clearly Christ demands that that is, that is a sin and that we should take care of one another for there to be fairness. Now, if I've got more money than somebody and they have a burden, I want to try to help them out. The church wants to help them out. That's the, that's the deal. But notice something very important. 
the point is, this is, this is verse 6 of chapter 9 now. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's talking about giving and charitable giving. Each one of us must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, now let, let, me, let me unpack that really quick. This can be confusing because... First of all, this is a, this is a commandment to sow and reap, you know, about, about about giving charity to your neighbor. Your primary purpose as a Christian is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the, the big issue I wanted to point out. When you have a social state, who gets the glory? Is it Bernie Sanders or is it Jesus Christ? Right? Who gets the glory? Not not God. The state does. The politicians are constantly running around saying, oh, look at how many jobs I created. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look at me. Good for me. Vote for me again because I'm awesome. I'm awesome with other people's money and property. Aren't I awesome? And that's not giving glory to God. But, but, but the second thing is that we're supposed to be, in this case, we're supposed to be like Christ who gave freely, not under compulsion. Remember, Christ laid his life down. Nobody had the authority to take it from him. As he said to Pilate, you know, if I wanted, if, if I wanted to, I could just have your entire Roman army incinerated. Basically, he says, right? But but that, that's not that's not my kingdom, and that's not what I came here for. He'll come back and take care of that. Trust me. But he's not. He didn't do that then. Thank God, or we're all dead in our sin. We don't get the judgment we deserve. Thank God, in faith, that we have Christ. We have the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us. That is a glorious truth. The good news for bad people, right? Now, this means again that each one of us must give. As he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There goes socialism out the window. In Romans 13, the Bible points out the Lord calls the civil magistrate his minister, his servant, three different times to punish evil. For this reason, you pay taxes. In the New Testament era, that is the role of the state. The state is not to be forcing people to be good. In this case, giving charity, that's what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. People say, well, don't ram your religion down my throat, dude. Uh, okay, well, you just you just rammed your philosophy down my throat if by ramming down one's throat means expressing the truth about it. That's called a debate. That's not ramming. The, ramming down your throat would be literally grabbing you and punching you in the face and so forth. That's not what we're talking about. So stop being so mealy-mouthed and being such a weenie about it and man up and, 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 and accept, as the Lord said, you know, gird yourself up like a man. I'm going to question you now. That's what we're doing here. We're having a debate. And, and the Christian principles are true, and everything else obviously falls apart under any kind of scrutiny. So therefore, go back to this and say, if, if God commands that the church is freely giving and helps people out financially when they can, so that you don't have wild disparities of wealth, this is what socialism is trying to co-op through force and give glory to itself in the state. It is a false Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I I'm going to say this again as clearly as I can. Socialism is a false Christ. If you're looking for an antichrist, I'm telling you right now, right here, that's it. That's one of them. Socialism. If you vote socialism and you're a socialist, it is a false messiah. It is taking what the Bible says here that we should be doing freely in the church for the glory of God and doing it under compulsion. And if our neighbor doesn't want to do it, we force him to do it through the, through the arm of the state, which God clearly commanded couldn't be done in Romans 13. The civil magistrate punishes the evildoer. You're the one, if you're a socialist, demanding that other people live up to your moral code. Shame on you. Repent of that. That is a horrible sin.
Socialism is the, and Marxism and the other isms that are connected to it are the greatest evils on the earth right now in terms of what's facing Western civilization. It makes for a corrupt person because it's coveting and demanding that the state go and steal property from your neighbor. If you did it, you would justly go to jail for it. But if the state does it, somehow it's good. But then I have people say, well, God commands the, the, uh, the killing of the Canaanites and so forth. You know, that's terrible. Well, well God, God, first of all, God has that authority, right? And everybody dies, so everybody's under a death sentence because of sin. So you want to think that one through, okay? The Canaanites died a little earlier than they would have. They would have just died of so-called natural causes. But you know what? Natural, natural causes are kind of weird that way because everyone's going to die. So natural cause is living. Life in a sinful world, everybody dies. So anyway, that's sort of a, one, another one of those meanly mouthed objections to it. But you don't mind the state going. And, and, and I can go example after example after example of the state utilizing power. And behind that power is the full force of the state. In other words, when the police come to see you and they've got a problem with you, 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 have a, you, you, you can't get into a fight with them. The state doesn't want to lose a fight. The state is organized force. It doesn't wield the sword, bear the sword in vain, as, as God says. So therefore, if that sword is under the, the, the authority of Christ, it is there only to punish evil, and that would be rape, murder, theft, assault, fraud, direct crimes against other, people's, other people and other properties. Socialism turns crime into you not being ethically good, you not giving to charity. And it will use force against you. If you don't think, just because you don't see it, doesn't mean the same thing. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make the in, in, inevitable connection. Instead of using a Nazi connection, I'm going to use a greater one, which is, which is uh, Stalin's Soviet Union. There's a lot of neighbors that ratted on their, there are a lot of people that ratted on their neighbors. And they got taken off to a gulag, tortured and killed. They didn't torture them and kill them, but they were part of a system and supported a system that did that. They're not as responsible as the person who did the torture and killing, but they're responsible. And they're going to have to answer for that. By the same token, we have people lost their businesses, lost their property, had it taken by the state, right? That are in jail or lost things because of the state tax policies that people keep voting for. If I walked over to your house and said, dude, what you spent on entertainment last year? You'd tell me rightly, well, none of your business. But the IRS is supposed to know this? And these are people who say you can't bring religion into politics. Well, you know why they're saying that? Well, because their politics is their God. And they don't want the real God talking to the fake God. And that's what socialism is. It's a fake tin pot God. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. And once again, you can't find a single passage of Scripture to ever remotely support the notion that the state can take money from citizens by force under threat of law, right, to give to other people for charity. And God's like, that's cool. Good for you. That is actually it is a, the worst form of tyranny. Like I said, it's, I'd rather deal with Genghis Khan. I'd rather deal with, with uh, rene not renegade, but rampaging Comanche coming in. At least then I have a fair fight. I know what they're there for. But living under the, the tyrannical thumb of people who are supposed to be my moral superiors, that is so unchristian as, as to just boggle the mind. It just boggles the mind. So... 
I'll wrap that up here of why socialism is absolutely and unequivocally unchristian for, for those reasons above, all right? It is flat out idolatry. It is ascribing to the state a power that, that only God has. It is looking at the state to be the source of your wealth and the source of your security. It cannot be, and that is unchristian. Your source, that manna from heaven, is from God. Remember, you're being very much like the Israelites when you sit there, give us this day our daily bread. You know, I can redo the whole thing. Our, our Father, who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name, right? You know, thy, thy, thy election come, thy, thy, thy will be done, you know, in, in, on earth as it is in Washington, right? Um, give us this day our daily bread through, through our neighbor's labor, right? And, and, and lead me not into whatever you decide to be a trespass these days, but deliver us from, you know, personal responsibility and faith. That is, the, that is the, new, the state's prayer, not the Lord's prayer. That's the state's prayer, and that's socialism right there, okay? So, um, and I know, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers of, of, of those that, that, again, biblically, don't take my word for it. Search the scripture. Find, find a, a systematic in scripture that tells you that you should rely on a state, not God. Show me a systematic that says you have, a, a, you have the right to covet your neighbor's goods and then vote them away. You can't find it. You won't find it because it's clearly unscriptural. And, and this is what we get at the end of this. If we were to jettison this and, 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 and obliterate this, this horrible, toxic philosophy of socialism, if we were to get rid of it completely, we would have a land of freedom and peace. And, the po and, and those individuals that are in poverty would be far better off, far better off than they could possibly be in any form of socialism. Because God's will is perfect. God's will is perfect. Reviving the soul. His testimony, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. Okay? We're going to rejoice the heart, all of that. Uh, not socialism. If, you, if you're disgusted by politics and so forth, join me in, in loving the Lord Jesus Christ and the liberty that comes from knowing him and abiding in his word. Don't be a follower of Jesus Christ and say, oh yeah, but his political principles, I don't think they're going to work. No! That is a horrible thing to do. It's a horrible thing to do to your faith. And I bet you, like a lot of socialists, because you're looking for the state for everything, you're angry a lot. Instead of having joy and peace and the Holy Spirit, you're probably angry quite a bit of the time. You're frustrated quite a bit of time. So there you go on that one. And then, and then finally, finally, as we, as we wrap this up, you want peace and you want to love your neighbor, leave your neighbor alone. One of the great things about leaving, uh, loving your neighbor is leave them alone. You want if you you have you have some extra, go share it. Go work so you can have some extra. That's the message of the Bible here. You shouldn't be giving reluctantly or under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver because He's a cheerful giver. So be like your Father in heaven. Okay, if you're looking at the world, going, what is the state going to give me? My friend, that's not that's not good for your faith. It's not good for your soul. It is unchristian. So hopefully this helped. Again, this is your host, Jason Quarrel, What's Over is True, and I will catch you next time.